When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com slash connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. And my name is Maria. I'm Tom Geffers. And we're from Career and College Counselors. And this week, I have the privilege, and I mean that, of finally meeting a wonderful woman, a writer, who has inspired me for years on Facebook. And it's wonderful to uh, finally meet her in person, have a face and a voice to those wonderful writings that she has always done. And she's such an encouragement to other writers. She really helps other writers who are beginning to move along and to actually craft their craft, if you will. So our overarching question is, I want to be a writer and where do I begin? And so I'd like to introduce uh, Ms. Joy Ross Davis. And thank you so much, Joy, for being here. You're most welcome. What we'd like to do is we like to start off our podcast with tell us who you are, what you do, and what was your aha moment that this was where you wanted to, this was your passion and this is where you were going to spend your life? Uh, my name is Joy Davis and I'm from Alabama, in case you can't tell. Uh, <laughs> I am Southern and I write mostly Southern fiction. I've been writing for, I think, professionally for about 13 years. But I spent the majority of my adulthood as a professor of English. And uh, I worked at a college and taught English for many years. I think that that connection with students helped me to develop a sense of audience. In other words, who would be looking at anything I wrote. And occasionally I would write short stories for my students. And uh, we would analyze them and go over them. And so even though I was teaching, I was still writing because 
I have that passion that I just can't, I can't seem to get beyond that, uh, <laughs> but I don't want to, you know, I just, I have that passion to tell stories. And um, so I started that way. I think I wrote my first story when I was in the fourth grade and I wrote a ghost story. I'm somehow naturally drawn to the paranormal and to unusual things, unexpected things. And uh, so I wrote a ghost story when I was in the fourth grade and it was about my grandfather who had passed away. And so I called it Papa Ghost and it was one little page, but uh, I was proud of it because it took me a long time to write that one page. Mm -hmm. It wasn't very successful <laughs> as, far as, as far as writing goes, but it gave me a first taste of what it feels like to finish a story, to start it, go on with it, put details in it, and to finish it. And that's important that feeling of being able to finish a story. It, it's a sort of drive that develops within people who have that passion for writing. So from then, from then I, I waited, taught, didn't write much. Uh, and when I retired, I retired in 2005 to take care of my mom. And from that experience with Alzheimer's, uh, I wrote a memoir called Mother, Can You Hear Me? And that's what I wrote in my private time when I wasn't caregiving. But the caregiving, I didn't know when someone was Alzheimer's. And um, I think one of the one of the chapters in um, the book is about my mother and how she viewed her life as a book because she would talk about a young man bringing her roses and she would point to them on the table and say, aren't they beautiful? And so maybe that's a more pleasant aspect of Alzheimer's. She really didn't recognize many people, but she knew who I was and she wanted me, she wanted to tell me this story about this young, handsome man who was in love with her. And, you know, it's sort of sad, but it's sort of, beautiful that that was what was in her mind mm -hmm. right. he was living this storybook life and enjoying it mm -hmm. and so I thought maybe that's what I want to do maybe I want to sort of live each story and enjoy it 
and maybe that will come across to readers as something worthwhile, you know, right. read and enjoy. Right. Right. So that's my primary goal, is to write something that people want to read mm -hmm. and are sort of inspired and touched by. Right. Well, that, that seems like a, a very popular uh, thing that people are talking about the last few years about, you know, they wish they would have interviewed their older parents and gotten either a story or their life story and putting it down on paper. And it's, you know, great that you were able to do that. And that's what you do. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's a great story. Uh, but evidently you've had a lot of, um, uh, experience with young people in college and teaching. Mm -hmm. And if you could speak to somebody now who's in a high school senior, uh, who wants advice, what would be the first thing you would tell them if they want to pursue a writing career? Well, the first thing that I, I would like for students to know is that although there are dreams of becoming a writer, actually doing that is, is quite difficult, but it's not impossible. And the first thing to do is simply to write, get something on paper. And then I think the second most important part of that is to find someone who will be an honest editor of what you've written. You know, we don't like any of us to have people say, uh, you know, this is okay, but it's not great. But that happens. You know, it's something you have to be prepared for. But just getting an idea on paper and then adding details and making it seem real is really important. And I would urge all of the writing students, no matter what level they're on to try to create a memoir, a life event, and something that's happened to them because then they don't have to know anything else. They have the event already in their minds. And to be able to write about it, to fill in the details, to write about it and make it interesting is a wonderful way to begin. Right. It's a good way to begin because there are no ideas that you have to come up with. You don't have to figure out how it ends. You don't have to figure out how it began or what the conflicts are. It's something that we all have already in our minds. And if early writers can write about a single event, something important, something traumatic, something helpful, funny, that happened in their lives, that's where they start. Write about that and, and get it on paper and then find someone to read it and say, yeah, this is great. 
normally those are the types of people you want to avoid <laughs> because anybody who reads it and said, oh yeah, this is great. I loved it. Right. <laughs> they're not really telling you anything. Right. They're not, they're not saying, well, you know, the, the way you've structured it is a little bit confusing or right. I didn't understand this particular sentence. Those are the types of people that you need. People right. who who are a little bit critical and uh, a little and, critical. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. that criticism is what helps make us right. good writers. Do you encourage uh, then some of your students or anyone to uh, keep journals so that they can go back and reflect on it? Uh, is, do you, do you, what do you think of journal writing? I think journal writing is really helpful. It's not something that I've ever done. Okay. I've not kept a journal, but I've attended many writing workshops in which journal writing is sort of the kernel of where you begin to write. Especially if you're doing memoirs, nonfiction, things like that. Mm -hmm. You need that, that uh, first reaction that you had when it happened. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, journal writing is, I would encourage it. Mm -hmm. I've just never kept one. <laughs> do as I say, not necessarily what I do, huh? Well, I think because I write primarily fiction, what I keep is a notebook of ideas. What if, blah, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not journal writing per se, but I'm keeping a log of ideas mm -hmm. that I want to develop later. Mm -hmm. And so I have probably eight novels in the works because they're all from ideas that I had earlier. I've just never developed them. Mm -hmm. Now so. you, you mentioned, you know, you should write every day if you want to be a writer. And, um, we did a little research on the amount of words that uh, are recommended as, and I think Hemingway said, write 500 words a day. Stephen King says, write 2000 words, or he wrote 2000 <laughs> words a day. Right. I guess everybody is different, but did, did, did you have a number that you tried to hit or do you recommend a number? No, I, I don't have a number. Um, I, I have no idea how many words I write a day, but, right. I do try to write every day, especially when I'm on a specific project. If I'm writing a book, a novel, then I don't want to let it go a day without my reading over it and saying, okay, this is what happens next. And so for me, writing every day is a crucial part of finishing a book. And so I, I encourage that to write every day, even if you don't have anything particular to say. Right. It's the act of writing and seeing if we can transfer what's in our brains right. onto paper in a way that other people understand it. 
Now, when you were teaching college, um, not everybody is going to write a novel or a book or a fiction or a history. And right. some writers go into advertising or um, uh, other lines of, of writing. My, my brother was a uh, comedy writer back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, and he wrote for Merv Griffin. But he wrote every day with, with uh, you know, other writers to, to get the Merv Griffin show on. And it takes a lot of writers to make these guys look good. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so the, the people that you taught, uh, did they go into other professions other than uh, writing books? Yes. Yes, most of them did because the students that I taught, uh, with the exception of one class, the students that I taught were from all areas within the college. They were from different departments. Right. And uh, a few of them wanted to write, but it wasn't the profession that they were training for. Mm -hmm. Because they were either going into um, the arts or the sciences or math or, uh, you know, and we were a technical college as well. It was a community college. And so we had welders and auto mechanics and you know all different types of majors were in my classes and so uh no they didn't all go into writing I did teach every semester uh, a course in advanced composition okay and that course was designed for people who wanted to to pursue writing in some area, mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily for a book, but uh, I taught for Mercedes Benz for a while, mm -hmm. and their managers mm -hmm. took my classes to learn how to write formal reports for the company. Right, and right. so um, you know, I it's just been a variety of different types of students but then I taught for almost 30 years so <laughs> so you're gonna get every you're gonna get all types there Joy. yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you've written about eight books and published eight books what is your favorite your favorite book that you had written which is your most your uh your favorite baby at this moment my favorite baby at this moment is still my favorite baby of all time <laughs> and <laughs> and I can't help it uh it's called countenance yes okay <laughs> yeah and it's it's really a ghost story but it's about a woman who runs a haunted happily haunted <laughs> B and B and I think part of the reason that it's my favorite is that number one, it was my very first novel. And number two, the character, <clears throat> the main main character <clears throat> is a cookbook author. Okay. And she runs this B and B and you know, everybody is a boarding house and so they they stay and they eat, and she spends a lot of time in the kitchen. 
preparing recipes. And at the end of the book, uh, there are recipes from Sylvie's Kitchen. And I enjoyed that uh, tremendously, but I'm not a good cook. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so when I was writing it, when I was writing the book, I would I would watch videos of people making different dishes, and uh, one of the things she makes is beef Wellington. I wouldn't know how to start it, and so <laughs> I watched a video about making beef Wellington, and so you know it just became. Uh, a sort of all-encompassing work. Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to research. I had to study. Mm -hmm. I had to learn about things that I didn't know much about at all. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I still get comments from it. And um, so, yeah, that's my favorite. So, what inspired you to write *Continents*? I don't really have a good answer for that, except that I was sitting in bed at night and my mom was asleep and, um, you know, I was just thinking and um, I suddenly thought I could, I could envision an old Victorian B&B I could see the main character, Aunt Sylvie. I couldn't put it, I, I didn't know where it belonged. You know, it was just, I had that image. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then the next day, I found that throughout the day, I would have images, pictures. So I couldn't put them all together until I saw one character. He was dressed in white. This line, his countenance, was like lightning mm -hmm. from, from the Bible. Mm -hmm. That came into my mind. And it's his raiment was white as snow. His countenance was like lightning. And that verse, that little one verse, after I had had all these images, that put the book in my mind. And I thought, countenance. Mm -hmm. And so I began to piece together all of the images that I had to come up with the story. And so I don't know where that inspiration came from, but it came. And uh, by that time, by the time I started writing it, I just couldn't let it go. Right. So you... You put your characters first, you develop your characters and then put them into a plot and right. not do the plot first and then create the no. characters. Very, very I do characters first. Your characters mm -hmm. first, right. A and, lot of my writer friends do plot first. Right. But right. I don't. I have to have the characters. I have to know the people and, you know, create their little world and then try to put them all together. And once I can do that, then I can say, oh, this is gonna happen. I love that, I love that. So you spend your time in character development mm -hmm. and then put them in. I, that's really cool. So different than many of us that were taught, you develop the plot first and then stick your, you know, then you create your characters. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, that's how I was taught as well. Yeah. Um, you did a lot of traveling. You've uh, done uh, articles for, uh, you've gone to Ireland. I still love to see your pictures of all the places that you've visited, some of which I know. Um, have you taken that? And obviously you're very Celtic oriented, which is where yes. you get your, your, your red hair. Right. And your uh, and your love of the supernatural, the other world, yes. if you will. So, when you went to Ireland, did you were you able to create a, a book from that, or a, uh, have, did you use any of that information when you started writing in your books? I did. Um, I was there for many months as a travel writer, and uh, I stayed in a particular little town toward the end of my time there, I stayed in a little town called Black Lion. And it's on the border between the Republic and Northern Ireland. It's right on the border. And um, in that town, which is, a, it's a tiny little place. And I got to know during my two weeks stay, I got to know some of the people who lived there. And they were always gracious and kind. And when they found out that I was a writer, all of them had stories they wanted to tell me. <laughs> and so um, one of the women that I met said she wanted me to go with her to uh, a place down the road called the Shannon Pot which is the water source for the Shannon River. And um, so, you know, we walked down there. It's a huge round circle of water. And we walked down there and she said, there is a lady who guards this water pot. And I said, really, where is she? And she said, oh, you can't see her but you can feel her spirit here. And I said, oh, and she said, she died hundreds of years ago, but she loved this water and she guards it from people who might threaten the water source. Oh, wow. And I said, have you seen her? And she said, well, you can't tell anybody, but I did see her one time. Okay, I love to see. So we talked, and you know, it was. I wanted to be serious and say I believe this, and so I wrote a book called "The Witch of Black Lion." Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> which is not a book about a witch. It's just a book about a a spirit woman, a real woman who can change into a spirit. And um, she's a shapeshifter. And explain um, what a shapeshifter is for those that don't know. A shapeshifter is a sort of spiritual person who can shift from one identity to the other. Like at times, this character is a beautiful woman. At other times, she can shift and become an ugly old hag that people are afraid of and they avoid her 
and her name is Shelly. There's no reason why Shelly doesn't want to stay beautiful, except that um, I needed her to be ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad, (laughs) Shelly. Yeah. And so she lives in Black Lion, Ireland. And her favorite saying is that every town needs an old hag. (laughs) And so she is the old hag and the beautiful woman. And I love that book. I, I, I love it too. And, and as you know, that whole shifting uh, shapeshifter and the woman who guards the the well is so intertwined with a mythology that it's oh yeah, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. And my sister and I used to say, well, you know, the hag was originally the wise woman, you know, and of That's course, right. and it, it turned into other things, but it was originally the wise woman that you went to mm-hmm. see what was going on. Right. You know, but uh, I could sit and talk with you forever, Joy. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't. Um, is there anything that you would like to add uh, to the uh, to the story to the podcast that we haven't covered? Uh, there is there is one thing, and that is that I, I really would like to stress that those who are who have a passion for writing and who want to write and who are willing to put stories on paper, uh, I would just like to stress that it's a worthy thing to do. The thing that you need, they need to realize is that editors are crucial. They can help make a manuscript much, much better. And it's always hard to hear criticism but if you intend to write for publication, then the criticism is necessary because every major publisher, every agent I know has an editor. And when you send in a manuscript, if they like the story, then the next step is they send that manuscript to the editor. The editor goes through it, changes, whatever, sends it back. And so I would just like to encourage people not to be afraid of the editing process because it's what will get you published. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it, Joy. And again, you know, I could spend hours just listening to to you and I'm so glad I have this opportunity to to meet with you. And, you know, if Maria had the chance to uh, interview Jessica Fletcher, from Cabot <laughs> Cove. That, oh yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, she's I would writing... want to be on that one too. <laughs> you know, she writes from a Victorian up in Maine, of I course, love it. and I you're know. down south in yes. the Victorian uh, stories, right? But uh, we know we've seen those episodes over and over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 especially the older ones are just, yeah. just great, right. uh, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, now that you let everyone know. <laughs> My addiction. I've enjoyed it so much. I'm so glad you had me on so that I could do my tiny little part, maybe in helping someone. Right. Giving encouragement, giving encouragement to parents to know that it's okay that their their child will be stepping out into the arts and uh, not to be afraid, you know, that it's it's a, you know, our our culture and our um, 
heritage is actually in the written word. No matter right. what you say, it exactly. is in the written word. So, exactly. um, you know, thank you so much for addressing those problems and uh, benefits. And I'm Maria Geffers, and this is Tom Geffers, but we also want to let you have the opportunity yes. if someone wants to contact you, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? They can contact me through email. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, just as Joy Ross Davis. Uh, if anybody wants an email address, I can send that to Maria. Okay. Sounds okay. good. She can have it and give it to anybody who needs it. Very good. I'd be happy to talk with them. Thank you. Thank you again. And to our listeners, uh, we will be back again next week with another wonderful expert. Uh, of course, none of them can beat you, Joy. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Maria. Thank you so much again. And we will see you next week to our listeners. Thank you.